I've always felt different. I've always seen things, but when I tried to express them as a child, I was always told to ignore it. There were people that I didn't know that came to me and said, I have this message that I keep getting that I have to deliver to you. All of a sudden, out of the shadows, a homeless man just jumped right in front of me, and he said, I'm a soul just like you. I love it. I wanted to understand the universe and who and what we are and what are we doing here. We're all part of this amazing soul wave tapping into each other. This was a major life changer. You are a light. You have helped me a ton. Thank you. You've given me the courage to live more from my soul. Millions of people are awakening. So wake up with Michelle Michet. Be pleased to hear the best-selling authors and experts in the fields of cutting-edge self-help, personal growth, metaphysics, and spirituality. The soul path of awakening. Understand what living awake is. Hey, everyone. Great to connect with you all. If you're new to this program, I'm Michelle, and you have um, surfed into, tuned into Awakenings with Michelle Mache. So great to be here. Um, hello in the chat, the Sacred Space of Empowerment Room, which are also my co-pilots, co-hosts, and sound engineers. Um, they're letting me know how the sound is. And I'm using a new mic, so let's see how that sounds. Hi, everyone in the chat. Um, if you're listening in the chat, that's great. You can ask questions of the people in the chat. Lively conversation there. And also uh, of me. Or you can call in, and that number is 347-539-5122. That's 347-539-5122, and press 1 on the keypad. Um, also want to let everyone know about my YouTube channel if you don't know about it. Soul Awakening with Michelle Mache, um, or you can just put Michelle Mache uh, in the chat. Love to uh, see you there and um, subscribe. We have a great community there. And also my Soul Path community and Patreon, letting you know that's another way to connect with me and soulplayground.life. And if you're up for it this weekend and you're saying, hey, I'm not sure what I want to do on Saturday, or hmm, I really want to dive deep and do some emotional clearing and healing and repatterning work, and I want to dive into the Akashic, check around in there and maybe clear some energy there and some uh, blueprints. Um, I am doing a workshop, a tele-workshop this Saturday, February 27th, Akashic Clearing and Emotional Healing, yes, and um, you can um, find out more about that by going to soulplayground.life and go to the events and workshop section. Um, or you can go to eventbrite.com, and I do believe it is also, um, I don't know if I put it on my Instagram. Oh, that's a weird thing. Those of you that are connected with me on Instagram, somehow it, 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 the, my bio disappeared, so the link tree, which I normally link my, um, these, my workshop, Zoom, teleworkshops, everything on there. So um, I guess I'm just clearing house. You know, I'm getting ready to go on this other platform, which they will handle uh, a lot of this for me, all under one roof, and handle the back end. So maybe this is just further messages <laughs> that there's clearing. And I'm doing that Akashic Clearing Workshop this weekend. It never ceases to amaze me how um, I just am so guided. You know, I, I was staying with a friend of mine, and she's like, you know, I don't come up from my room a lot um, 
until a certain part of the morning because I have my routine. And I said, the reason that I can channel and am as accurate as a psychic and a conscious and trans channel as well as a psychic medium is I have to, I do daily. I have a daily routine, you know, of checking with the guides, doing my dream therapy, uh, journaling, meditation, some form of yoga or movement work, inner work. And I do it throughout the day also because I'm, you know, working with clients or doing my YouTube videos. I have to get in a meditative state to connect in. Because sometimes I will think even, oh, I'm going to do a video on this. And then when I sit down, I get like almost like a little frozen, like a, like a little trance. I get into a trance and it'll be something different. Um, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is the message coming through. And then I do, I have my, you know, spiritual practice and routine at night. Just like anything, anyone will tell you if you're a painter, a writer, figure skater, you know, um, whatever it is, you have to practice. And that communing with spirit is key. Um, and it's going to be more and more so. And then you find that you have less that you have to actually do, um, you know, how do I want to say it, labor-wise, you know, on the kind of 3D level, things get done or they get reprioritized into what is actually needed and necessary. So we're all going into this kind of readjustment Um the videos that I've been doing for, um, by the way, I just did a new pick a card. It's White Calla Lily. Shout out to White Calla Lily in the, <laughs> in the chat. Um, encouraging me, nudging me to do more of the pick a card. And um, I really do go somewhere when I do those readings. I just love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, all the readings, when I'm tuning in on the energy, Oh, and I wish that for everyone. It's just an amazing, um, you know, amazing connection to feel the presence, the I am presence through everything and everyone. And that's the space that we're all going to be more and more living in. Um, Hi, Haley in the chat. The pick a card was so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I did it in the mountains. I'm back in the mountains. And um, sort of a little noisy. There was a, a bu- you know, somebody buzzing. I don't know. Somebody around here cuts wood. I don't know if it's for their fireplace. I'm not sure what it is. But I don't know the schedule, but it seems like on a regular basis at some point there is this kind of tree saw or buzz saw. And um in the beautiful, it's beautiful in the, the canyon, in the mountain, being surrounded by the mountains. It's like a bowl, but air, that sound carries, um, you know, even at night. Now, when it's nature sounds, <laughs> that's, you kind of, you know, you don't mind that. But um, even if there's like noisy, you know, motorcycle, sometimes certain motorcycles have the, I don't know what it is, exhaust or whatever it is, the, whatever makes it loud. I can't think of the name. I used to know what it was. Anyway, you can hear that, you know, rustling through. So anyway, it's not through the whole video, thank goodness. It's just at the little tiny bit in the um, the intro. So, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, um, Haley. Let me know in the comments. I love reading the comments. Yeah, and I was picking up on Hawk. 
in one of them, this hawk, and the day before my meditation, I was tuning in on the deck and I was calling the hawk closer. And I said, I really want you to come closer because a hawk is one of my personal totems. It's, it's actually a very active animal medicine that I work with, a bird medicine, and I'm part of the bird tribe. And when I used to live um, down south near the beach, um, there are a lot of mountains there as well. And, oh, Tammy, you would know because I was in Encinitas, uh, Lucadia. So I would have hawks on my deck a few times when I was running along the railroad tracks right by the beach. Hawks were right in front of me. I'm not kidding you, 10 to 20 feet in front of me. That's a, they started out like 30, 40, 50 feet, and then there was two of them. They, they were kind of gliding, and then they came close. I mean about 10 feet in front of me. And I, I do have hawk medicine. I love hawks, but I got to tell you, I was a little panicky. I was like, oh, how close are we getting here? <laughs> hawks. They, they're, when they're close to you, you see those talons. <laughs> you know, they're, they're quite um, powerful beings, you know, creatures. Um. Oh, Tammy, I love that area so much. Yeah, it's, it's, I have family there. So, um, but all the time I was hot, there's so many hawks in that area. There's also uh, a lot of owls. I would occasionally I'd do ret- retreats in the area and I would see owls. So, anyway, I was calling the hawk closer and closer. And the next day, that was the day before. And then the next day, as I'm doing the reading, it was one of them was circling around, and one of them came really close to the tree that I was sitting um, next to. There's a uh, table there, and doing the reading, and I was a very powerful medicine. I felt very blessed, and and then that reading when the hawk was coming in, there was so much ancestral um, energy and messages coming through, and messages from um, loved ones on the other side for people, and then so far everybody that's commented um, on that. Um, that picked that soul story on my pick a card said that their grandfather comes to them regularly, comes through as a hawk. They have hawk medicine. Another person said they draw animals and also birds and they want to, you know, uh, work with getting out. I hope they do. They want to get that out, you know, more than a hobby to sell them and put them out. And that was in the reading too, that somebody worked with animals or uh, animal medicine or very close to um, animal beings um, but anyway, it was very interesting with the hawk coming closer. There was a lot of ancestral uh, friends, family on the other side, spirit guide energy specifically, not just spirit or distant ancestors, but family members that were really encouraging. Um, we have a lot right now. I don't know if you all are noticing this, but this the energy, let me know in the chat, um, the energy is really changing i mean it's already changed a lot but i feel like you're even seeing it even more so there's there's more um interfacing with spirit or the spiritual aspect of everything and everyone you know so beyond the 3d beyond the the denser physical beyond form where you're connecting in through the form um because when when um I think I talked about this in one of my Patreon, uh, one of our groups, but I'll share a little bit of it here, uh, just a, a tad. Um, you know, when you're when you have beings, energies on the other side, 
coming through, like as when I'm channeling them um, as, a, as a medium and giving way, whether I'm doing it consciously. So it, I can give my body totally over or I can extend my consciousness in such a way and open up in such a way that I hear the messages or I see them. But the thing is, they have to step down on their vibrational frequency a little bit, and I have to raise my vibration or allow it to be raised. I'm not really doing anything. It's really an allowing. But also those on the other side, they have to reconfigure holographically. I mean, in a sense, we're all holograms in a way, or avatars, like our, our, our guest that's coming on later, Maya Sevak, I believe. I'm going to be talking about the Sevi avatar, so maybe she has some input on this. But there's a reassembling because nothing is ever leaves this world or the universe. You know, Einstein talked about this. It, it just changes shape and form. So when those are when we cross over, people ask me this. You know, like where do we go? Well, we go everywhere. Our energy is dissipated, right? It, it becomes formless. Although to those that have a resonance with us or enough resonance and a lot through love, you know, friends, family, whatever, acquaintances, there remains this kind of filmy holographic energy, but that we, through our memory, reanimate, and that reaches them at a certain vibrational frequency to reanimate that image. And then when you call them in closer, that's why you can kind of see your friends or family on the other side or your animal beat, you can kind of see them and you're like, oh, am I making that up in my head? Is that my imagination? Well, it is in a way imagination. Everything is. I mean, we're imagining and reimagining the solidity of things. Like I'm looking out this, my window and there's this huge pine tree. Well, I'm reimagining that over and over that it's solid. But when we get into a certain vibrational frequency, when we extend our awareness and expand in our vibrational frequency, we look at that tree or I would look at that tree and I would begin to see that it isn't so solid, that it is these, you know, particles as I've seen it anyway, of different kind of tones and colors that are moving almost gelatinous, kind of jelly-like, you know, maybe that's the waveforms. So, you know, to do that, you have to be in a pretty extended or expanded state and very and relaxed into, um, because we're so trained, especially through the notion of gravity, to be grounded in our reality, you know. And our media grounds us to this reality. What we, the mainstream TV, radio shows, movies ground us. They're vibrationally set, just like music. And, you know, we've had on our show people that have talked about this. Um, what is it, the 480-something hertz or... I always forget which one is off. But um, we, so we've been conditioned, cult, incult, inculcated, entrained into a certain vibrational frequency and pattern, and then the experiences and the expressions of that. And that's being broken up now. So I'm sharing this with you. So if you're feeling a little out of sorts or a little spacey or a little not grounded or, wow, what is the reality or what's really happening or you're just feeling like a lot is just up or up in the air, it, it's partly because of this. And it's also reflected in the astrology very much. It's almost like 
you know, in a way, I, I just had this image of, of like a little boy. I'm thinking of someone that I taught years ago in school. <laughs> and and they're holding on to the little the fire truck, right? They, they have this fire truck, and they see their friend has a bigger one. And they want the bigger one, but they don't want to let go of the, the, littler, the smaller fire truck. You know, they don't want to let go. And, that, and that's partly what's happening to us, but we're also hardwired for that on a human, on a human level, right? Uh, through the regulation, through, you know, there's brain chemistry around it, right? The instinctual brain, instinctual awareness, um, the, limb, the limbic. Um, we're, we're wired for, you know, a certain reality that feels that we over hundreds, if not thousands of years, has felt safe. So we're getting this, you know, inner and outer upgrade, our inner software of our mind, our brain, our, um, our organs, you know, how we see, what we believe, how we feel, what feels right, and then the outer software of the denser physical body. So there is a lot of destabilizing energy. So if you are feeling that, um, that is why, you know, it's, it's, it's meant to destabilize. And the thing is, part of what wants to happen is that the human ego part of us wants to say, well, we're going to go back. Are we going to go back? Are things going to go back to how they were? It's going to go back. It's going to go back. But it's not, <laughs> not necessarily. And, and there's, there's a lot of twists and turns coming up in the outpicturing here on, on, on the earth plane. Um, I worked yesterday with one of my friends. Um, oh, by the way, anybody want to call in, 347-539-5122. Press 1 on the keypad because I see people in um, listening, but I don't know if you're just listening by phone. But if you had a question, a comment, or you wanted a reading, again, 347-539-5122 and press 1 on your keypad. Tammy is saying in the chat, yes, feeling that. Yeah, it's really good to um, – Oh, so good to have people around that are going through similar. Because see, um, are experiencing this is what I'm putting in the chat. Because the thing is, a lot of the main, see, it's all the same energy. But so some people, it might make them fight or resist or withdraw. There, there's a lot of different ways that this can manifest. And then those that are at a certain vibrational frequency Let's say lower, because I wouldn't even say denser. I actually, years ago, my guides really got after me about this, and especially at one point when I was working with the, the, one of the crystal skulls, you know, one of the 13 around the world, I got to work with one of them. I started working uh, more with the Mayans, um, other dimensionally, and on this dimension. And that indigenous energy is very dense because it's earth. It's grounded. We're going to have to have different words. I mean, even even dark and light, even negative and positive, because the truth is the negative is the feminine. You know, it's it's the void. It's it's the womb. It's the cosmic womb. It's the mother's womb. Um, it's the it's you know again it's the it's the feminine aspect of our being. The electrical or the masculine is looked at the positive or positivity. So I don't know what the reframing is going to be, but language really shapes the context of our world very much. 
So we're, we're also in a bridging phase with that. So I would say lower harmonic, higher harmonic, and even higher, or middle and higher octaves, you know, which we, that's the terms more metaphysically that's, um, or esoterically and as a spiritualist that are used. Um, because denser frequencies or earth frequencies are not bad. You know, we've kind of been taught that the heavens are good. It's, it's, it's the lighter the frequency, the better. What makes frequencies or complex of frequencies not healthy or not optimal is not whether they're dense or high or low. It's whether they are in coherence or whether they are um, in alignment or in resonance with you and, that's, and what's around, if there's too much dissonance. You know, otherwise we wouldn't have drums, right? And drumming, the denser frequencies actually brings us a grounding, but also into the pulse or hum of the earth. Um, and I just almost want to cry. I can feel Mother Earth right now. Uh, like when I channeled her for some of the videos that I did on YouTube, Pachamama Gaia. Yeah, so there is, there's a real healing that's wanting to take place, trying to take place, and is taking place. All of it on different levels of Mother Earth, of the mother and mothering principle. And you're going to see more mothers, not just women, but also mothers or people identifying as a mother of something or someone, a fur baby mother, it doesn't matter, rising up. I also feel it's going to happen more also in education. I've been getting this channeling for quite a while, that we have big changes in our educational system and having to do with children. I almost feel there's going to be like a revolt, you know, almost like with climate change, you know, how some of the, you know, younger body beings I can think of that the young woman in, I believe, Scandinavia, Switzerland. I don't know if you know. I can't think of her name. I can see her face. Um, yeah, you're going to see a lot because the, the disparity, the injustice of what is happening over the years with children and education and how, especially in the United States, it's dropped. And I'm talking more United States with this, although I do feel this is going to be eventually affected Canada and and globally, that the whole idea of what is education or how do we educate is going to be greatly changing. And I do feel that you're going to be seeing a lot more of these homeschool, charter school, small group school, I don't know what they're going to be called, but that are private school that are going to be more and more uh, availed, you know, used um, and made available um, this is ringing so true. Uh, Lar was just talking to my neighbor about the educational system this morning. Oh, interesting. Interesting, Lar. Interesting. Yeah, synchronicity and confirmation there. Tammy, you've been feeling this about education also. Yeah, and what's Thurberg? Thunberg? Thunberg. What is that, Tammy? In the, um, I know like the Rudolf Steiner, even beyond that, even beyond Waldorf, which I do uh, love a lot of the principles of uh, Rudolf Steiner, years ago studied him i actually need to relook at his stuff because uh, some of it is so timely um yes michelle i've been feeling this about education yeah so there is um yeah there is and obviously healthcare that will be a biggie also health the idea of wellness and holistic health and not being overly medicated or vaccinated that's going to be 
you're just going to see, I feel like right now we're in this like free for all and there's still this grip of the old order, however you want to look at it, you know, individually or collectively, what do you want to call it? Cabal, 13 family, whatever, whatever you want to do, the old system, um, because it's so interwoven and intricate and it is kind of um, separating this out from the roots of where we're at. So we're all going to be a little bit hung in midair for a while. And we're, this is going to be a very long transition for transmutation and transformation. I'm just hearing from the guides that we're already transmuting. That's the thing. Our energy is already changing. Oh, what I was starting to say, except wait one second, I want to check in the chat. Um, Oh, thank you. Sunberg is the young girl about the climate change, et cetera. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, you're going to see um, this all sounds so wonderful, also relief. Yes. Yeah. So here's the thing. I, a dear friend of mine, you know, and I work with her. She's also a client. And then I work, work with multiple of her family members and also recently her daughter, who I believe she said was nine now. But she knows. She'll say, I want, to, I want a session with Michelle. I want to do meditation. She knows where to go to get help or what she needs. And she's very articulate. And, and I, in a lot of ways, she reminds me of me when I was growing up. And it's like I just didn't have that environment that so lovingly supported what people saw when they looked at me and said, well, Michelle's advanced or something. You know, she's a little different. <laughs> My dad says, Miha, honey, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't know what to do. <laughs> we didn't know what to do with it. I said, yeah, dad, that was quite apparent, you know. Um, so I get it. But the thing is, a lot of these, because environment is, is, is a lot, and we know this, right? Nature versus nurture, but it's not verse. It's really nature and nurture. So a lot of these beings that have been come in, it's not that necessarily that they're so advanced, that they were more advanced than m many of us were or are. It's that the energy, the soil is different. So they can thrive. They're not having to bump up and resist against concrete. They're, they're growing in, a, you know, it's, it's like free-range chickens. You know, they're not cooped in a little cage. And we see that. You see babies thrive. You know, there's books and books and research on this. You see animal beings thrive when they've been, after they've been adopted, you know, if they've been in a house where there's abuse and, and how they magically turn around. So in this rich soil that many of you parents, teachers, healers have created, you have to pat yourself on the back. Your, all your inner work, all your processing, all that you've done and just holding the space for your children and grandchildren is making a difference because you're the soil. We are the soil, and, and, and we're creating a collective soil that is much richer and much more – there's much more, um, more minerals in this soil than there were definitely in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, <laughs> okay? It, there's less push. There's less – so I asked her about, because anyway, she's, I don't want to say too much, but she was, she was, you know, had some issues and stuff going on. And, and she's like, well, I really want to meditate and this and that. Her dog was in the session as well, because he needed it too. But I asked her about school and I said, how is it? And she said, it's interesting. I said, oh, what does that mean? She said, well, we're not in person. 
were not in person with each other. And I said, well, is it, and here's me, you know, less mineral than my soil. I said, well, is it, I mean, do you like it or is it, how do you feel? She goes, it's just interesting. And I thought, wow, that is the advanced look at it. It's not good. It's not bad. She has other preferences, things that she wants to do or, you know, have school. And so I think you're going to see that it's like, you know, going to a restaurant and you taste something and it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And there's interesting of I'm curious and I want to know more. And there's interesting of I had that experience and I'm, I, if I have to have it, okay, but I prefer something else. There's less charge there. And when there's less charge, when things are just neutral, they don't proliferate. They don't reproduce. They don't get put out into the universe. We, the only way that we can create is through desire, passion, emotional charge. We have, you have a vision. You have an intention. You, know, you have a goal, whatever it is. You have a dream. But unless you have emotional energy to it one way or the other, it doesn't happen. If you're just so-so or bland about something, it doesn't happen. If you're overly resisting and hate something, you can usually draw it in, you know, to have that experience. Because the, 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 the universe works on current, on currency. If there's no charge, there's no animation. There's no animated pictures and life forms. Life doesn't get animated without the electricity or the emotional charge, which from a spiritual's point of view, that spirit, that's prana, chi, the all that is, right? Um, with electricity, it's like, okay, if I plug in the, you know, the cord and there's no charge, there's no electrical charge or, my, or you know, the light doesn't go on. Or if my battery loses its charge, you know, my remote doesn't work or whatever it is, right? So you're going to see, and that's the thing to do. A lot of times I'll even think, okay, I don't, I want to experience something or I don't want to, I try to get rid of the charge of it. I'll even sometimes just like take a breath in and then just sigh and put my shoulders down and see it pass me. I'll say, I don't need that reality. I don't need that experience. But you have to be in a neutral state. Now, I don't want it out of fear. I don't want that experience. I can't handle it. And it's like, I can handle it. It has to happen. I choose not to have that. Don't give it the, and that's what people mean, don't give it the energy. Now, we're going to be living more this way. Don't give it the energy. Don't give it the charge. Infants do this, and for sure little animal beings, cats and dogs, for sure. I'm sure other animals do, too. I think I've seen giraffes do it. I've seen a few animals do it. But like, unless they're unstable and not so healthy um, themselves, they will walk away or ignore unstable energy or off, off energy, energy that's more incongruent than congruent, energy that has less coherence, that's more incoherent. It's like it's a bother. You know, and I see this with, you know, my friend's daughter and also my little client now. <laughs> uh, she's been working on and off with me for a few months. And, uh, and she did earlier, like a few years ago, to do meditation because she sees her parents doing this. And her mom explains to her when I, you know, or Michelle helps me do this or that, or I talk this over in session, you know, 
or I needed to meditate, or I'm doing my journaling, or I'm doing this or that. And so the child, oh, what are you doing in session, mommy? Or what do you, oh, well, I meditate, we do this hypnotherapy, and she explains it. And then the child obviously sees the change in her mom. So, again, I go back to my mom, those stupid things, you know, that many of our mothers and grandmothers had, or grandparents, grandfathers, but, you know, little pictures have big ears, and birds of a feather flock together, you know. Um, children learn, we all learn more by what we see, even with each other. We learn more by what we see because what we see becomes repetitive. There's a repetition there. And that is also entrainment. So entrainment can be life-enhancing or non-life-enhancing. It can be brainwashing. But at the highest level, it, it gets us into a vibrational frequency. So one of the things that you may want to do, shake your shoulders, shake your body off every now and then. And if there's certain things around you that you don't want to experience, take a breath, release it, and see it out in front of you. And just in a, when you're in a more neutral position, just claim, I don't need to experience that. I don't need to experience that. You don't need to. You don't want to. I don't want to, but I don't need to. Because the need gets down to the foundation. So we're all going to be more picking and choosing our reality. And yes, and someone said, it's funny. It's, it's very interesting, the distortion. Um, oh, and I do see someone on the line. I will get to you in just a minute. Callers, 347-539-5122. Plus one on your keypad. So I, it, it's interesting because mainstream consciousness, how it expresses a lot through the media, and I don't, I know a lot of people blame the media. It's not the media's fault. It's what, they're doing what the mainstream does, <laughs> has always done forever, um, in some fashion. But I listen to it sometimes because I, I do hear spirit in there. I do hear the all that is. I hear it through sometimes through distortion, um because the way that they're interpreting is from a problem or from fear. And one of the things that someone was saying, well, everybody seems like they just want to create their own reality right now, you know, and you can't have that. And it's like, actually, yeah, we can. And that is what's going to be happening in this new paradigm because that is a very Aquarius. What's going to happen because that's what we normally do anyway. And that creates the new consensus reality. We, you know, we've been taught, it, in a way, I will say long. It's been misinformation that we're supposed to align first to the consensus reality and then create our own life from there. No, we're met as individuals incarnating on this earth plane to create our own individual reality in alignment with our soul, attuned to our soul and our heart, our soul path, and then see how that aligns with the consensus. Not reverse. We didn't cut... Yeah, we're collective souls, but we're on the earth plane. The whole idea of the earth plane is to have an individual experience, is to individuate out from the all that is. You see that replicated in parenthood, you know, in all species. They come, they, you know, together as a clan or a herd or whatever, beehive, but then they have to go off and, and do their thing. They, may, they come back, but you have to individuate. So we, we're not, we haven't been allowed to individuate. That's what all this runkus is about right now. People don't under, get it. You know, it's like, oh, free for all. You know, I'm angry. Let me do this and that to you. You know, they're fighting in the dark instead of going within and saying, well, what am I really about, my soul? 
So what will happen, yes, a lot of people are going to be creating their own reality. And then what happens, it's nature's law. By resonance, you will attract people that are in alignment with your reality. And those people will attract people that are in alignment with their reality. So we'll attract each other and have communities, colonies, colonies and communities, which will then also communitize, I don't think that's a word, but I'm using that now, into cities and even, even states. You know, you're going to see a breaking up or breaking off of the states or what we perceive as borders. It's going to be borders more by how do you want to live. You know, like some people, we go to Amish country, right? We go to this land. So, you know, we may not be- like what certain people believe. Maybe their beliefs are not so great for women or children or people of a different race, right? Or we could say, oh, that, those are racist beliefs. But if they're, I mean, I'm not condoning anything, but I'm saying if something's here, it's a vibrational match enough to be here until it's extinct, until it's no longer needed or necessary. So there has to be a tolerance on all sides not to be acted out and harmed, but, you know, if people don't want to live with certain people or around certain people, then, okay, just like the Amish, they don't want to have certain machines or cars. Maybe they have cars now. I don't know. I remember they had buggies. You see what I'm saying? So there ha- there's going to be more parsing up of, of jobs, of careers, of, how, of our income, of the currency, how we live, where we live. You're going to be picking and choosing by what is in that environment or what you create in that environment. And it's not going to be people just disappearing or going up in the hills or getting out. It, you're, there's going to be a grassroots movement creates these areas, um, especially in unincorporated areas or, or lands. And you see this a tad bit already. Um, but I'm talking about it being recognized more um, by default governmentally at some point. It will have to be recognized, and there will be different governing powers. Um, so, yeah, we, so all of what you're doing individually is very important because it's contributing to the stew of consensus reality. The all that is 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 changing consensus reality, what we consense, we've given a consensus to, an agreement to, whether overtly or inadvertently or tacitly, it's vibrationally. What we have now, had there's been vibrational consent, and that's, and that's stopping, and that's why we're up in the air, because a lot of our foundation is being not even pulled apart, stretched apart, some of it's falling off, but there's a, there's a lot of gaps, and we're feeling those gaps. But yet we know don't necessarily want to go back. Many people realize that was not healthy. That was getting us to extinction, extermination. That was, but we're, we're, the new is not yet created in denser physical form. It, we, many people can feel it etherically, and it's a hope, it's a wish, it's a dream, it's a vision. So you have to hold on to that hope, that wish, that dream, that vision, because you're activating that vision with your energy, with your currency. Your currency is going to make that vision current, the current reality, the reality that gets the current or currency. 
more on that later because current currency is going to be so powerful as you understand current and currency. Where is the current? Where is the currency? Where is the energy? Because that's how nature operates, right? You can see that in trees. Where is the flow? If a, if a branch is dead, it doesn't get the flow anymore, see? The tree does, it revives it only so long and if it doesn't revive that energy is pulled back water is not even absorbed into that part but if there's a little bit of life there it can be reanimated but once that life force animating energy is gone whether it's from the branch or branches in a tree or the whole tree it does not take up the water the system is gone so very powerful you know, and you may even want to just look at current currency. What does it really mean? What does currency mean? We use currency as money, you know, but it's energy. There's something behind, there's a lot behind current situation. But as you take the currency out of the current, right, it's like a riverbed. If, if it's, it's a roaring river, but if I take that, the, the water, the currency, if I change the current and move it someplace else, that's where the water goes. That's where the water current goes, right? That's what a dam does or a levee, right? So that's what's happening to all of us, and that's what many individuals are starting to do. I'm not going to give my currency to this over there. And the more people that do that, that part of the system dies off. Yeah. It's, it's quite amazing to watch and be a part of. I know it's a little scary. It's a little panicky. It's Because the body's reacting to that there's, the current is changing. And where do we, we don't know exactly where we're going because it hasn't yet been created yet because we're in the process of all this creating it. Hello, let's see, let's... Um, Okay, if we have another caller calling in. Okay, that number is 347-539-5122. Press 1 on your keypad if you have a question or a comment. All right, beautifuls. Hello in the chat. Yeah, so it's important to understand your energy and how it fits in with the energy pattern that's around you. Is it draining? Is it life enhancing? Is there enough exchange? Um, energy, working within the quantum field, understanding that subtle energy. You know, when we had the physicist, Dr. Maynard, on, he talked about this. You know, you, you've heard me say this before in this program. I was flabbergasted because I've been teaching about subtle energy for many years. And he had, he's the only one that I've seen so far, um, physicists, quantum physicists, you know, people that are even talking about, you know, new forms of uh, medicine or biology. He Now, maybe other authors are doing it now. I don't know. But, I, I, you know, he had a whole chapter on subtle energy. And you remember when he was on the program, I have to call maybe Sadie. You have to get um, the producer to get him back on have a chat about what's going on now. Um, but if you recall, he did state, that in the new paradigm, in the upcoming age, that it's going to be very important and crucial to know about subtle energy and to understand it and to be able to to interact with it. Um, 
Okay, Haley in the chat is saying, I'm feeling like I'm getting a lot of signs of pregnancy around me, not being pregnant, but pregnancy in general. I feel pregnancy is in the future for me, but I'm wondering how soon. Do you and my guides have any guidance for me on this? Um, no, but usually if you are picking up stuff about pregnancy or, you know, it could be your new birth, birthing yourself, especially if it's not about a pregnancy that's imminent. Um, so I would look at it twofold is what are you birthing as a new level of you? Are you working on something? And that can be in preparation for the physical birth of another being, right? Um, because very often, you know, children bring that next piece. I see it with my clients all the time. They bring that next piece of awareness of what you need to work on or what, or what you somehow completing. And sometimes you need to be a vibrational match, more of a vibrational match for that child. You know, I had years ago a great client of mine that um, she was told she would never get pregnant, and I saw her getting pregnant. And, in fact, this other um, psychic had told I said, no, but you have to do your art. There's some reason you have to do your um, have a, your first art show. And I said, I feel six to eight months after that, you'll, you'll be pregnant. And that's exactly what happened. And now she's actually quite well-known or very actually well-known artist internationally. And um, she's in kind of home goods also. She's really branded. Um, but her daughter came through and is very artistic. And so there's that resonance, that match that she could help her growing up. And, her, and what did I say earlier? Children learn more by what they're shown she had an art studio, you know, she had a studio in her home. She had her own individual studio outside of the home because she does huge canvases also and does big, you know, shows and art galleries. Um, so the daughter grew up around that and really thrived and ended up going to a school that, uh, a college that, you know, had that focus. I don't know if she got her MFA or whatever, Masters in Fine Arts. But you see what I'm saying? So sometimes there's one little piece we need to do to be a better match for that being that's coming through to be in, embodied on this earth, you know? So, yeah, what is that little piece? Oh, Haley, wow, wonderful guidance for me to share with my friend who's trying to conceive. Thank you. You're so welcome. Yeah, you're so welcome. Yeah, sometimes it's a matter of timing, time and timing. We have both. All right, well, it is time for our awakening dialogue today, and um, we have with us, I hope I pronounce her name right, Maya Sivak, uh, who's a global citizen of Indian heritage, who's lived in 20 different cities and countries and speaks over 10 languages. Whoa, impressive. Can't wait to talk to her. Uh, she's an award-winning Ivy League-educated scientist, lawyer, and humanitarian entrepreneur who has worked in the academic, corporate, and nonprofit sectors. Um, she's inspired by Buddhist, Hindi, and yogic traditions. She's currently making the transition to an author of fiction. Um, we're going to be talking about actually her upcoming novel, Sevi Avatar. It's a pentology. And Sevi Avatar is a series. Um, the first one is The Persecution of Constantina. Welcome to the program. Great to connect with you. Namaste, this is Maya. How are you? Namaste, Maya. Oh, great (laughs) to connect with you. Wow. So first of all, wow, what a background. Um, I want to dive into that a little bit, get to know you a little bit before we get into the book, Um, because I feel there's a good, there's a good, there's a good couple stories there. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> over 10 languages oh my gosh i that is amazing um i'm just godsmacked with that right there well we Do you just have moved an around a lot uh, well, when I was a child, we moved around a lot, and I think uh, I do love languages, so I tend to learn mm. them here and there. And um, I think uh, especially since we live in the United States where English, um, I think, is is a language that most people speak, the only language that many of us speak in yeah. the U.S., I think it's, yeah. uh, I think Americans don't generally don't appreciate that language really is a tool for thought. So if you know multiple yes. languages, you actually have uh, an entry point to different ways of thinking. And, um, and, and that is definitely something I experience when I think in different languages, I actually think in different ways. So that's very valuable mm. to me. And that's one of the, that's one of the aspects of language that attract me. Um, and which is why I'm interested in, in learning as many as I can. <laughs> wow, I love that. Now, I never, oh, I didn't think of it that way. By the way, my grandfather was a linguist, and he spoke seven languages, um, and, um, which is pretty amazing. And my parents, I spoke three. I spoke Spanish growing up and lost some of that. I'm not as fluent. I spoke a little Italian and French, but I get it mixed up in my mind. Um, and also, I've got to say, you know, you probably lived, did you live outside the United States when you were growing up? Yes, yes. I, I, I came here to study, so I, I did not, I, I was not brought up in the United States. Yeah, ah, we, we moved around from country to country. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's why, yes. Because in the United States, like when I was really young going to school and I, did, I was bilingual, um, mostly English, but Spanish was secondary. Um, we were taught that you, you're in the United States, you don't speak another language. It was very poo-pooed, especially oh, in was it? private school. Was it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, people forget that. And that's, yeah, it had a um, – even now there's a little – only in certain groups. Even now there's a little um, – I've even heard, you know, in a store walking on the street, if I hear somebody speaking another language, you might hear, unfortunately, it's like the term, the ugly American saying, Oh, they're in America. Why aren't they speaking, you know, English? So there's a weird something, um, which I'm hoping gets overcome in the United States because it is, it, I do feel it, it, it does open um, a window and a lot of doors. Um, I never thought that what you said though, I think is brilliant where you said it actually, you start thinking differently. I mean, that's well, you do. pretty profound. And yeah, you, you definitely do. I mean, um, there, are, uh, there are many words that simply do not exist in, in other languages. Um, so mm. w when, I, when I think in my mother tongue, which is Bengali, I, I can think of certain things that I can't, uh, certain concepts that I can't think of when I'm thinking in English. So, mm -hmm. so certain, certain aspects of human thought simply aren't accessible. Um, from certain languages, and I and I, I think that that's probably something people don't really think about. Um, yeah, maybe they do if they know multiple languages, but um, when you when you're monolingual, I, I think that's probably not something you think about. And but I think I think uh, translators probably do think about that because when you when when you're trying to translate a poem. 
um, especially from one language to another. You you mm. come across many challenges and limitations because you simply can't translate certain thoughts and th- certain concepts. And so that is why a lot of the impact and a lot of the meaning is lost when you translate from one language to another. And, that, and the reason for that is, as I said, there are just certain aspects of life that you can't access from from one language only. So <laughs> it's such a metaphor of what we're going through, I think, globally, you know, is this and and maybe even if it's if it's not an actual it's language, it's the language of just how somebody lives or their metaphor, their analogies in in, in life, you know. Um, that we need to open more to that. You know, how do other people think? How does another person think? How does another culture or society think? So I think that's pretty, you know, pretty profound um, and has a lot of... Definitely, you, you know, you, you've nailed it. Yeah, it's, uh, the entry mm. to culture is through language. And this is why, mm. unfortunately, many... Uh, I've come across many immigrant children who don't know their mother tongue and the problem yeah. with that is they they don't they can't access the totality of their culture their you know their heritage if they don't know their language and so uh, yeah we, I could go on and on about this language death is oh, one no. of the problems of global culture indigenous peoples are unfortunately losing their languages because of colonialism and imperialism and that's actually also a part of what uh, inspires me to write so so language is very much tied into uh, what inspires me and and how I think. Yeah, I bet, I bet, and I know just this conversation is inspiring some someone and many someones to just open more. However, that um, unfolds for them. Um, one thing too that kind of ties in uh, to what we're talking about is the subject of. Uh, because it's part of the, the language and I guess language is a viewpoint of how we see the world or interact with it um, is the perspective of karma. I really was kind of taken um, to this because I've always had a little bit of an issue with the ways it, it, it's been explained. Um, but maybe you can touch on that because you've actually coined a new term uh, in which sure. a way to look at the world through this perspective of karma. So if you could dive into that yeah. a bit. Thanks very much. And if if I may, I just wanted to, um, if it's okay, if you can indulge me for for a bit, I I wanted to give a little bit of a preamble um, for the use of Sanskrit terms in general. So karma has many other terms that I use nowadays in uh, sort of globally appropriated culture, uh, terms that are very old, that are Indian terms that are originally in the language Sanskrit, which is um, thousands of years old, one of the oldest languages in the world. And unfortunately, as, as I was talking about before, um, part of the problem is that terms have been misappropriated and then yeah. the, meaning, the original meanings have been lost. And, and um, sadly, <laughs> uh, words like yoga and karma and dharma and yeah. mantra and guru and all these kinds of words have been their original meanings have been lost sort of because they've been misappropriated in many ways. So, so, um, so karma is a biggie for me, a button because I'm so glad you're on explaining it because 
it's been so misused. And I only know yes. a small amount of it because I, I, I studied uh, Siddha yoga for many years, 20 years, and I stayed in the ashram um, in India. So I had a small amount, but all of a sudden it just blew up. And it's like, it's so misinterpreted. And I don't even know if you can find information, um, you know, if you Google things now because it's so yes. misinterpreted. Yes. So I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, okay. I, I wanted to start by saying I am still a student of, of, Vedic, of, of Vedic science and of ancient uh, Hindu thought. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not an expert, but I, you know, I, I try to learn every day. Uh, karma is actually a scientific principle. So karma is not, uh, there's no good or bad associated with it, which is, which is one of the problems ah. that I have with the way karma is, is um, kind of uh, portrayed in pop culture. Um, it's not your yeah. karma or my karma or good karma or bad karma. Karma simply means, from the way I understand it as a scientist, it simply means the matrix of cause and effect. So if you think, mm. so, so think about it this way, um, and this is actually the article I wrote on medium.com that's, about, that's introducing the, the concept of karma lens, talks about, so, so think about a game of dominoes, right? So you have, the, you have the starting domino, and then maybe you've laid out the dominoes in a way that they form branches, so when you, when you topple the first domino, it will topple the rest, and then they may branch out, and then you have all these dominoes that have fallen because of the first domino. The first domino is the original cause, and every mm. other domino in its path is an effect of, the fir- of that first uh, cause, and the then first. that in turn, yeah, and the, and the second domino in turn becomes the cause of the third domino which is the effect and so every cause becomes has an effect but then every effect becomes a cause right so so if you think about just the universe in this way the the universe karma is what determines what happens in the universe as time moves forward did you do does that Am I making that any makes, sense? So it's really very so, metaphysical. It's just very common. It's just cause and effect, really. It's not about you did this or it's good or you got no, bad. No, exactly. It, it doesn't exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it's wow. it's so for example, Newton's third law of motion, which is every action has an equal and opposite reaction, is just a subset yes. of the principle of karma. For example, so so th- that's why. Karma is, is very simply that. It's, it's just saying that every cause has, as a result, a matrix of cause and effect. So every cause has a karma surrounding it. So th- that's not good. That's not bad. That's just a statement of cause and effect. Yeah. And, and so that is what um, – and then the, the concept I've, I've um, sort of created is a karma lens. So if you think about it, if I'm if 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 I'm analyzing the world around me, and my my radius of analysis is just let's say ten meters or or, or right. you know, thirty feet, right? I'll see right. what effect this particular cause has on you know people and the environment just thirty feet away from me, 
And then I just say, okay, I, I'm not interested anymore. That's, it. That's, that's all I'm going to look at. But if I extend the radius of what I'm looking at to 100 feet, 1,000 feet, 10 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers, I'm sorry, I'm changing units here, 1,000 kilometers, yes, right? Then right. my, so I, I've turned it a karma lens. So if my karma lens is very narrow, which means the radius is very small, mm. I'll only see the effects of, let's say, my own action or my own thoughts on a very small number of people or a very small distance in space. But if I extend my karma lens, so if I adopt a wide karma lens, then I'll understand the effect of my one thought or one, my one action on mm. many, many people and, and much of the space. And, and so... I, I really believe that if one can open one's mind to to a a larger sphere of karma, right? Because if if you look at yourself as a center, karma and karma right. is radiating out from you. It's basically, am I only going to consider my own family and uh, you know my own my own apartment, or am I going to consider my mm. family, my friends? people I don't know, the coffee grower in Ethiopia or South America, the environment in Africa, am I going to consider all of that, right? So one is looking at the world from a, from a narrow karma lens, and the other one is looking at, at the world from a wide karma lens. So those are sort of the two, and of course, there's everything in between. Um, but those right. are the two extreme ways of looking at uh, and understanding the universe. And, and, Necessarily, if I look at the world through a, through a wide karma lens, then I will modulate my actions accordingly, right? Because if I can mm -hmm. understand the effect, all of the effects my actions are having, then I will change my actions so as not to have all those yeah. effects or to have different effects. So that, that's sort of the way I look at the world. Oh, I love it. And that just brings more awareness and extends or expands one's consciousness automatically. I mean... And we're doing that anyway, but not consciously, not with the awareness. We're not asking that question. Um, it's very empowering, too, to, to look. It almost reminds me of that idea of the seven generations. Um, but this is even beyond because you're even looking at it in other areas. Um, how would that work on a practical or everyday, not necessarily practical, but everyday level? Um, how would one integrate that into their life or their practice, their awareness? Yeah, that's that's a very good question, and you know, one uh, one can take an example from from uh, consumer habits, right? So, if mm -hmm. I go to my local grocery store, and um, first of all, before I leave my house, I can make the choice to take my jute bag with me or not, right? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. I can go to the store and just get them to give me a plastic bag. That already is a choice, and that already has shifted. Uh, the cause and effect matrix that you're about to create just by purchasing, you know, whatever you're yeah. going to purchase. And then when you go to the, go to the store, you can make a choice. Do I buy this uh, already cut up butternut squash that's packaged in plastic and styrofoam, or do I buy uh, the vegetable itself, the squash itself, and then come home and cut it up? So that, that again, is a second choice where you're, you're either – contributing more to uh, pollution and waste or you're not right and so mm -hmm. so you can and then you can look at you know here's this this juice that I want to buy well what company is selling it 
You know, what is the mm-hmm. social, what is the human rights record of that company? Do I want to buy that or do I just buy this fair trade orange and then just make the juice myself? Right. So, so, and yes, I realize it might be exhausting <laughs> to, 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 to think this much about everything you do, but you get into the habit and this is how I try yeah. to live my life. Um, and it, it, it's not exhausting after a while because you understand, no. okay, well, these are all the effects that I didn't, my actions didn't have today. All the pernicious mm-hmm. effects my actions didn't have. So, so it, mm-hmm. it allows you to sort of mold the world around you in the way that, that, that increases well-being uh, more than decreases well-being. So it's sort of a choice that you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think people can start small. I happen to do that I, shopping, or I have I have my bag. I have this little roll-up bag that I can actually put in my purse, or even a small fanny pack across my back. You know, it's very small because I know if I go somewhere, I I don't want to have to use a bag. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I never do, but, you know, that that thought is there or reusing things. Um, I think, too, yeah, Tammy in the chat is saying love this. Yeah, I think, too, I, you know, I was shopping a, a few months ago with some a friend and they got a bag. I had mine and I needed another one. I said, oh, just put it in the basket because I have I'll, I'll make it fit or I have bags in the car. And she's like, oh, it's only 10 cents. And I said, no, it's that's I don't want to contribute to that. Um even though it's only 10 cents in the bag. I was like, that's not the idea. It's not the money. I can afford the 10 cents. Um, But yeah, I think if we, um, especially the way that you put it, this karma lens, that it's this cause and effect matrix. It's like, so whatever, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's almost like we're feeding into or creating something. We're buying into it and then helping sustain that particular matrix or system or design a, you know lifestyle way of living and so now what it sounds like with the karma land you're starting to pull out of that out of that matrix out of giving that matrix energy or life right and it, I, I think um i'll give you a little bit more of a graphic example and um it's it's a bit of a violent one but it's unfortunately the reality that many people face. So one of the, one of the things that I do is I work with um, survivors of gender violence. And um, if you, if you look, so, so let's just restrict ourselves to one cause, right? And then the matrix will radiate out from that one cause. So if you're a parent and you um, hit your children, um, you know, right. when they're very little, when let's say since they're three years old or four years old, and and instead of um, instead of uh, giving them incentives to do better, you hit them or you berate them when when you think they should have done better, instead of complimenting mm-hmm. them or or giving them incentives. You know, you as a parent may, and let's say you, you do this all the time, right? You as a parent may not understand the, the karma that your, that your act of hitting your child is generating across decades of that person's life, right? So mm. you may not appreciate that when that child becomes older, that child is going to suffer from insecurity and from trust issues and, you know, may have may have 
uh, horrible relationships and may, you know, it, it's just, so if you yeah. abstain from that one act, just that one act of hitting your child, right, then yes. you would have completely altered that individual's um, trajectory. So, so, so it's the, the effect of, of changing one cause can have a tremendous effect on the entire trajectory of that person's life and even other people's lives. And, and, and I think people. that's something, right, and that, that's something we don't, most of us generally don't think about because we don't, we generally don't tend to think, you know, decades ahead of, you know, if I drink yeah. this coffee today, what, will it, what yeah. will it do to all these people and the environment 30 years from today? We don't generally think like that. But no. um, there are some people, and I am not one of those people, but there's some yogis who are able to, to understand karma decades out, right? And, and those are the kinds mm. of people who, who can p- predict probabilities in the future, who can understand, you know, how entire societies are linked, how movements are happening. So it, it's a very powerful tool. And I, I really do think we can each learn to, to, we can each train ourselves to think in, think in a certain way that we can extend that karma lens as far out as, as we can, um, I really do believe in our capacity to do that, and and thereby. That's what I was just going to ask you. Uh, yes. That's what I was just going to ask. I feel I feel that that's where we are going and need to go. I, I obviously it's not yet in consensus reality, but um, I feel like we have to. I feel like and like you said, it it might in the beginning you have to think a lot, but it's not really. It's just a little a pause maybe it's like a meditation you know it's a contemplation but a little pause where you look ahead um it's very interesting too though uh maya the way you describe it because it really opens up that meaning of karma and i'm looking at it as a matrix i'm literally when you're talking i'm seeing almost like this you know geometrical shape of the matrix almost like a weaving the spider web but or or octagon you know like multiple beehives and so it, what I'm understanding I'm, from you, it, it starts radiating out. Go ahead. Yes. So actually, if, if we could envision a spider web is exactly one of the, one of the metaphors that I use. So if we could uh-huh. really just, just sort of envision yourself in the center of a sphere, right? You're the right. center point. And then out from you is, is radiating, radiating out a three-dimensional spider web in all directions. Out, out from you, right? And if you think about it, even if you think about a two-dimensional spider web, if you pull on right. just one point on that spider web, right? Just, just imagine yourself pulling on just one point. All the other points will move, right? Because they're all interconnected. And, and that is actually sort of an advanced way of looking at the matrix of cause and effect as well, is that ultimately every cause is connected to every effect. And that is when the really satisfactory understanding comes is we move from an individualistic understanding of the universe to a sustainable understanding of the universe where you understand that, you know, this, this one action that I performed today, uh, even though I, I did it outward, so I did it, I did it sort of an external action. So let's say I scolded you or I yelled at you, right? And you walk away from right. it. 
I may, if I'm an individualistic person, I may think, well, that has nothing to do with me. I've, I've put it outside of myself. It's now not my concern, right? Whereas right. when you extend your karma lens out enough, or in this case, your, the radius of your karma sphere, then you'll, you'll understand that ultimately the fact that I yelled at you and then you became depressed or you became sad, at some point that will come back and affect me in some way. And that is a sustainable mm-hmm. understanding of, the, of, of existence, which is that everything we do affects us in the end. And so that mm-hmm. is when you can shift from this individualistic way of thinking to a sustainable or, or interconnected way of thinking. And that is where, mm-hmm. that is how you understand that, yes, you've really understood the concept of, of karma. Wow. So it's really living very aware, mindful. I mean, you're really in constant with the presence yes, of definitely. that moment. Of, yeah. Yes. Wow. It's definitely. What a definitely. beautiful practice, though, to bring in. Um, and I think right now, the way the energy is right now, it's like this is even more needed. I agree with you. And, and one of the reasons um, uh, I've written this, these books, the, the Svevi Avatar books, is to, is to sort of elaborate on this way, elaborate on this way of thinking, of, of this way of living. And is it okay mm. if I just describe a little bit to you that universe that I've created Yes, and I had that question, the Sevi avatar. What is the Sevi avatar? What is, what? So, yeah, yes. so, so avatar is another word that's been uh, co-opted by, uh, by sort of pop culture. I think avatar is, yes. is often used in video games and things like this where you basically, yes. uh, and that is, a, again, a very incorrect use of the word avatar. So, um Svevi is the name of one of the characters, uh, and she mm-hmm. is a character who lived 12,000 years ago. And ju- just to, I, I will explain what Svevi avatar means. I, I just need to give you some context. So, okay. the, so in Svevi avatar, I've created an alternate universe, so a parallel timeline where the divergent mm-hmm. event happened 12,000 years ago. So it's basically our world, people, humans, same geography, same continents, of this planet, but the divergent event took place 12,000 years ago at the time when this character called Svevi was born. So she's a woman. And she, she became, I, I can't give too much away, but she became a leader at, at the time of, of, her, of her life and when she was alive. And then we fast forward 12,000 years. She's long dead. We fast forward 12,000 mm. years to our contemporary time as now, but in this alternate reality that, that again, and again, if you think of karma, the entire matrix changed because of that one event, that the, the birth of that one woman and what right. she did with her life. And, and the reason I created this, um, this world, this, this alternate timeline world, is to be able to explore what I call the seven eco-social issues of our time. And eco-social mm-hmm. is um, sort of an amalgam of ecological and social. And I see these seven issues to be indigenous peoples, environment, identity, gender violence, capitalism, health, mm-hmm. and culture. So these are the seven issues I see that are front and center 
in essentially most of the challenges that we face as human beings now. And they're, they're very complex. So if you think about, yeah. even if you think about something like vaccine distribution, which we're thinking about right now, right? Why, mm-hmm. why, why is almost no one in Africa getting vaccinated, but all these people in Canada and the U.S. and U.K. are getting vaccinated, right? So it's a right. very difficult legal and economic question, which is very difficult to unravel unless you're an economist and a lawyer. And so what I've done is I've created this simplified world where, where one can analyze the, the karma, the, the cause and effect matrix behind each of these things in a much more simplified way. So one can understand capitalism and one can understand the basis of gender violence and the patriarchal system and all those things. So, so basically the, the novel posits because baby was born and about because of what she did 12,000 years ago, the Americas were never colonized by Europeans. So that's one of the ways she altered history, mm. right? And mm-hmm. the, where, the books, where the first book starts is that a very small group of what I call Europeans, so it's Europa instead mm. of Europe, oh, a very yeah. small group of Europeans came over about 400 years ago in this alternate timeline and colonized the East, a very small part of where Washington, D.C. is now, of the East Coast of the United States, but the entire continent is still indigenous, right? So it's, so I've reversed mm. the reality of what it is, and that enables me to explore wow. all these different themes of, you know, a patriarchy versus, you know, a, a non-patriarchal system, sustainable people versus individualistic uh, people, uh, you know, male-dominated systems versus not uh, egalitarian systems. So it has simplified the discourse around all of these complex issues that affect us today, but are too complex to unravel. Um, right. And Svevi, the reason this is called a Svevi avatar is Svevi actually, I've, I've written her as this character who is the most powerful yogi in all of humanity. So, and the science is a bit complex, but essentially she is able to take an avatar, which means she's able to, uh, bind her, uh, there is no English translation, but um, so basically when you die, of course your body decays and your essence merges with the oneness of the universe. That is Vedic thought yes. and there are scientific principles behind it. So what Sevi did is instead of actually merging with the universe, she binds herself into the body and the mind of one of the characters in the novel. And so that is why, why this oh. is called Baby Avatar. So she becomes an avatar. Um, and, and so that is where it starts. And then this novel is about how the Europeans are about to try to take over the indigenous peoples, just like they did 400 years ago in our actual timeline. And so it's about, it's, it's basically an epic about, what would the world look like if um, indigenous peoples actually still, you know, uh, wow. were, were in the world and, and they lived in sustainable ways. And so what I love about this is it, it enables people, let me step back for a second. So especially when, when you live in the U.S. 
um, and I, I do live here most of the time. Um, it, I think a lot of people can't envision a world that's not capitalistic, that's not urban yes. focused, that's not patriarchal, that's not, you know, these different sort of Eurocentric things. And this novel enables you to see a world which is not like that. Only a minority of the people are this way, and the majority of the people are egalitarian and sustainable and, and care about the environment and, and don't waste and don't pollute. So it sort of flips so the script. Yeah. Right. Amazing, amazing. And it sounds very um, like there's this mystical aspect. You know, spiritual, mystical science—you could call it that too. It was where they cross, where they bridge. Um, oh, we got a there question are, yes. in the chat. Yes. Yeah, in the ahead. chat, Maya. Um, so, is an avatar akin to reincarnation? Yeah. That's okay. The, oh, no. So ex- no. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Explain it because when you said not, that she bound. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, reincarnation is again. Um, so I, I'm treading on thin ice here because even within my own community, there are people who disagree with the way I interpret things because I am a scientist. I'm not a religious person. Um, so mm-hmm. I interpret things from the scientific perspective. And an avatar, from what I understand, is when your essence becomes bound again. And very few people have the mm. ability to to have avatars. So So you and I wouldn't be able to do it, but... There are very few people who, who could and who have, and I think you can probably count them on your fingers. So I, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the mechanism is of, of having an right. avatar, but, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 no, it's not reincarnation, no. Now, is it by, and what do you mean by binding to another person? So um, this gets into sort of quantum physics and other kinds of yep. um, principles um, I, I'll try to explain it. Uh, I don't completely understand. Oh, we're there, my earlier. Yeah, we're, we'll 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 follow you. <laughs> we're already uh, so, talking uh, about how people are subsumed back into the all that is. So just yeah, just in whatever way so, you feel comfortable. Yeah, I'll I'll explain I'll explain it as as briefly as I can. So so if you think about uh, the concept of God or the Big Bang or anything like that. Essentially, it's, mm-hmm. it's infinite potential. That's one way of looking at, you know, the supernatural or the div- d- divine or the, for, for people who are religious, God, for people who are not sort of the universe, the totality of the universe. Universe, source, all and, that is, yeah. Yes. And so yoga, one of the, one of the, and you would have obviously know this, so one of the goals of yoga, it's not one, the goal of yoga is to become one with this totality, with this total potential yeah. of, of all of existence, right? And, yeah. and before the Big Bang, if you go back and think about it as a scientist, before the Big Bang, there was no time, there was no space. And the concept of transcendental is that, is that you transcend time and you transcend space. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, so, transcending what we're uh, talking about. Uh, Yes. Sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> um, we're out there. I can feel it energetically. We are. Yeah. We're we're getting into that. Um, so the idea yeah, so, of the, the binding. Yeah. The binding. Yes. Um, thank you. The thank avatar. You. The binding. So yes. Mm-hmm. So the essence 
of who we are, right, the I, is not bound within time and space. That is part of the, mm. of the science that is of Vedic science, right? So, um, so in order to transcend, you have to transcend time and space. And so when you want to be bound to this world, you have to bind yourself to something that is bound within time and space, like our bodies and our minds. So that is what, what right. Avatar is, is, is that the essence binds itself to a body and a mind which, which can operate within time and space. Does that make sense? Because an essence yes. cannot operate yes. within time and space. An essence is not manifest. You or I That's can't right. interact yeah. with an essence because we are bound within time and space. But if an essence binds itself to time and to, to a body or a mind, then it can interact with us because we are bound within time and space. So, so that's, yeah. what, that's what that means. Okay. Wow, I love that. By the way, we talked about this a bit before you came on air. It's just different wording, but, um, you know, as a, on the psychic channel and a medium. So I, I was talking about how that happened because the, the people, the beings, or when they cross over on the other side, aren't in a body, you know, aren't in an essence. So... Um, there's a little reconfiguring that happens. Um, oh, Maya, you're fascinating. I love this. I love what you're sharing. Oh, my, everybody's buzzing in the chat. Because, I mean, even just these two words we've talked about, we have such a misinterpretation, you know, uh, such a misinterpretation, which is also causing a misinterpretation of how we're viewing the world. <laughs> Honestly, you know. Yes, if and, you even just look at karma and avatar and yoga. Hmm? Exactly, and I can't really fault um, everyday people for that. I, I think there are corporate yeah. interests behind it as well. And uh, but so so I'm not I'm not looking to blame anyone. But but I see it yeah. as part of my purpose to help people understand sort as much as I can. And of course, I'm not an expert, right. but I I do try to learn every day. I want to help people understand that, or, or no, I want I want to inspire people to question and and to dig deeper yeah. and and to mm-hmm. sort of ask themselves, well, is this actually what I think it is, right? And mm-hmm. and a lot of what my writing, both as an activist and as a fiction writer now, is about is to is to inspire people to dig deeper. So. So, for example, the protagonist of the first book, Andrew, who is of European descent, um, it's, it's his journey of evolution. He basically goes from being a hedonist, a very superficial person, to really, really delving into himself and introspecting mm. and trying to understand karma, right? So, so each of these five books will be such a journey for one person to sort of a self-evolution, if you will, and and hopefully through that character's self-evolution, we get to understand other things like these seven eco-social issues I was talking about. And, and I see my purpose as helping myself and other people to, to dig deeper, to, to really try and understand, well, all right, I go to yoga classes every day and, you know, I do namaste and I do, yeah. you know, do these asanas. But is it something deeper? Is it just this class or, yeah. you know, just... To really yeah. kind of to to try and understand and try to fight that misinformation that's out there, and I I just wanted to it is a pet peeve of mine I I wanted to sort of give you a, 
so I was reading this, I, I won't name the name, but it's a very, you know, multi-million dollar novel. And mm-hmm. in it, the, the person said, the, the author said, yoga was created by Buddhists. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> it was created know, by what? Buddhists, by Buddhists. By, uh, oh, you know, oh, in China. Yes, in China yes. and by Buddhists. Yes, and, yes, yes. And, and especially especially about India, there's so much misinformation, you know. I think most people don't know that Buddhism arose from Hinduism and that Hinduism arose from the Vedas. And so so it's just, um, and then, of course, what we don't understand, the indigenous influences on our lives from indigenous people all around the world. So I, I really want to try and with these novels and with my writing, try to help people look from a different perspective. And, and I think that brings yeah. us full circle back to our, the way we, be, we began, which is I'm trying to give people a different language to think with mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just put different words in, in, their, in their vocabulary and different perspectives and different ways of thinking about themselves on the world. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my purpose. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I definitely feel the mind stretch. And I think you're, you know, part of that bridging and bringing that awareness um, and helping people think differently. And of course, doing it through, um, oh, now, do, you know, doing it through um, fiction, through novels, through, you know, it's, it's going, to get, going to get in there and start thinking, having people think differently, expanding their thought process questioning um oh i think it's brilliant oh tammy in the chat is saying this was fantastic thank you maya michelle uh thank you for putting um yeah you're gonna buy her book must buy her book yes thank you white calla lily (laughs) yes um okay people are buzzing they want your book where um thank you tammy for putting her link in the chat uh com. where is the book available before we scoot off yeah, the-, the book is uh, the, the oh, ebook should already be available on Amazon.com. Just type in my name, Maya Svevak, or Svevi Avatar, one of the two terms, and it will take you to the. It, it, there are three books already. There's a graphic novel, there's a novella, and a novel. So, um, yeah, you can either go to one of our two websites or to Amazon and type in my name, and uh, it should oh. be available. It, we just. We just put it up yesterday, so this interview is, is it's perfect, this discussion oh, with you. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Well, I look forward to getting it and reading it because I'm, I'm in the mountains, and it, it sounds like perfect reading for where I'm at. Um, Maya, oh, thank you for mountains. being on That's the great. program. <laughs> yes, I'm looking, right as we're talking, I'm looking out at a huge um, pine tree. So, oh, you're so yeah. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. So, oh. Listen, I love what you're doing. You have an open invite to come back anytime you want to share. Um, I just love what you're doing and sharing, and I just feel it's just so brilliant. I mean, that's what Tammy put in the chat. Brilliant, 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 needed, and necessary. So um, thanks for being here with us. Thank you so much, Michelle, for the invitation. This was really a stimulating conversation. You made me think about a lot of things. (laughs) And I hope I was was cogent enough. When I was explaining, oh, things. you were my my. I'm stretched. My my little head is buzzing. I'm, it's been stretched. I'm like, oh, 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 that needs that. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, love it. Love that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take good care. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Oh my gosh, I so love our conversation. Okay, that was Maya Sevek.
S-V-E-V-A-K. Um, you can go to seviaavatar.com or you can go to our uh, website. Um, all the information is in the description box of the program. Oh, my God, you guys, I so love this day with all of you. And you know what I would say, continue to shine your light, share your insight, and, of course, keep awake. Awakenings broadcast every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Archive shows available on iTunes. For continued awakened conversations and insights, join the Awakenings group on Facebook. And check out Michelle's blog at soulplayground.com. And keep awake. Are you awake?